Hey, you're listening to Adequately Advanced Magic, a Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast set in a world in which magic is technology, and mostly owned by corporations. I'm your mostly adequate dungeon master and host, Joey. We're kicking off Season 3 of the podcast with this episode, which is a recap of the events of the campaign thus far. That includes the first two seasons, which run from episode 1 to 20, and then 21 to 51, respectively. Just a warning that there's going to be a lot of spoilers, obviously, so just keep that in mind. If you have any questions about the plot, what the bonus episodes are, or just general life advice, always feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, at AAMagicPod, or on Reddit, also at AAMagicPod. Anyways, let's go ahead and get this recap started. Welcome to Falcon's Reach, a city in which magic is technology. You're listening to Adequately Advanced Magic. We start off with a shot of someone's face. He has blonde ombre hair and haunting blue eyes. The camera continues to back up, revealing that this 30-something human is wearing a dark red suit and a dark trench coat. It's you, Niklaus. We see you floating in darkness with a constant low hum of whispers surrounding you. The class has been in this situation before. It's not his first rodeo. So he tries to remain calm as he listens to the, the whispers and he's trying to see if they're saying anything intelligible, if it's if they're getting louder, getting quieter, if he recognizes any of the voices. Yeah, go ahead and do a perception check. Eleven. There's not a whole lot here. The whispers are indistinct and murmuring. They almost sound like they're talking amongst themselves. In the distance, you see something floating towards you. And as it gets closer, you see that it's one of these Walkman discs that allow users to experience the memories of others. It is definitely not a save file icon. (laughs) (laughs) It floats closer and closer to you. Don't do it. The other discs we've seen before all had symbols on them, right? Yep. Do I see a symbol on this one? Yeah. It's a symbol relevant to you. What is it? It's a symbol that Niklaus used when he was back in school. He and his friends had like a little secret club and it has an S that you would draw by Writing three lines and then three more lines. Nice. And then you connect them. What does it stand for? What does the S stand for? What does it mean? He doesn't know, but it's been passed down from generation to generation, and he knows it's important somehow. 
Yeah. As the little diskette floats towards you, you see this symbol emblazoned on it. He reaches out to grab. It floats into your hand. You suddenly realize that you have the the player part, the magical Discman player. It appears in a strap on your waist. Nikwas will put the disc in and have a listen. You plug in the diskette and you put on the little headset part. You blink. And you find yourself in a very industrial facility with four tubes. Do I recognize the tubes? You do. You recognize the tubes. One of them is broken with glass shattered about. And you see the naked figures of three people, including yourself. Suddenly there's a red light blaring. The klaxon goes off. And the three figures are rudely flushed out of the tubes. As the current version of you stands here, looking on, you feel a familiar presence manifest right next to you. And you see Hirkir. Hirkir, what do you look like? Hirkir is a young half-orc. In the upper teens, he looks about five foot eight tall. He has messy black hair, shoulder length, and black eyes and a scraggly, unkempt beard. He wears mismatched clothing that has very earthy tones. Current Nick Laus and current Hirkir, the two of you are sort of just standing in the corner of this room watching your past selves flounder about, gaining their bearings. There's also a third person here, who the three of you know as Jack. And this is the first time in a while since I read Jack's description, and I cannot reiterate how shitty it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, suck it, Willie. <laughs> Literally, all he wrote was that Jack has a round face, small eyes, small nose, small mouth, small ears, and has a wise look on his face. <laughs> so he's got he's got small features and. <laughs> but also looks really smart. <laughs> Does he have hair? Who knows? <laughs> is he, he clothed? Hair? Maybe. <laughs> in, in this particular situation, he is not clothed. Well, none of us. Uh, okay, there are other, there is other stuff. <laughs> how, how does everybody feel about it? <laughs> All right. uh, he, has, he has brown hair that is dirty, matted, and unkempt, roughly medium length all around. He is quite muscly. Mm. The scene is familiar for Hukir and Niklaus, or the, the present the present versions of yourselves. It's the start of season one. Do, 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 do. <laughs> your past selves flounder around trying to <laughs> find your clothes. Uh, Look, that times. went well. It was very smooth. <laughs> Wasn't <And> then. <laughs> And then proceed to spend about an hour trying to open the door. That's real time as well. Feel free to comment as the two of you look at each other. <laughs> so this is like the director's like cut uh, version of our of our adventure. Where with the director's commentary, the, the, the commentary, yeah, yeah, this yeah, is the, yeah, the, the DVD so, commentary. Yeah, so y'all can investigate for further details and also just comment about the things that are happening. I think Niklas would like make eye contact with Hercure and like point to their past selves and like 
with a questioning look on his face and I'll kind of tilt his head and like, what? Niklaus, as you see your past self fumbling about, you take a look at present Hugo, who is standing right next to you. And immediately it becomes clear to you that this this isn't real Hukir. It's Hukir colored by your thoughts and feelings about him. It's my mental model of what Hukir is. Yeah. Oh, I'm a puppet. <laughs> but one that my subconscious controls or the Walkman <laughs> controls. This version of Hukir seems pretty autonomous. Is there any particular difference between real Hukir and this Hukir? This Hukir is stronger just because Niklaus has this belief that orcs are always like kind of strong even though <laughs> Hukir has proven in the past to not be that strong. Niklaus still has that like presumption. Racist. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and this Hercure, it's gotta be something like emotionally different. What's what's different? Maybe this one has a crush on Cirrus. Cirrus <laughs> uh, does not appear until season two, so. Yeah. <laughs> but this Hercure knows about future Cirrus, so maybe it'll come up. <laughs> <laughs> the, tr- the trick now, Jeremiah, is to play Niklaus's version of Hukir. <laughs> okay. Yep. The two of you look on at your past selves, who quickly discover have magical powers. Something that is a rarity in this world. Man, we, we really lucked out surviving getting out of this place. We did. That door was, was very challenging. We didn't have a good time with doors. Don't remind me. But also where we met Tiger. Yeah. As you say that, the scene cuts ahead. The three of you have reached the control room, revealing that you guys are in a floating research station. You meet Tiger, uh, a rabbit wearing a beanie and tactical vest. He gives you an incredibly tiny sheet of paper. Oh my god, the tiny sheet of paper! Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was so tiny! And then it cuts to... (laughs) The three of you plummeting... That was good. ...from the sky, using a very makeshift parachute system. (laughs) Super makeshift. How how did we even survive that? Really? It's the luck of the roll, man. Trick question, twist. You you didn't. (laughs) You've been dead the whole time. It's all been a dream. As your past cells fall from the sky, the two ghostly versions of you are just sort of like dragged by and like dragged along. So you guys are just like falling behind, but you don't really get the sense of vertigo. Mm. We're like uh, Gonzo and Rizzo in Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the two of you are just sort of like casually chatting with each other as you, you plummet down towards the earth. <laughs> it's a bit drafty up here. It seemed to go a lot faster last time. Uh, I don't know. For me, the fall felt like it was forever. My whole life flashed before my eyes. There's a sudden time skip. And we see the three of you being saved by Audrey. She's a human with dark brown hair and a tight bun in her late 20s. And she wears a dirty pair of beige overalls and oversized leather working gloves. And a pair of goggles on her head. Good old Audrey. Yeah, I don't know what we would have done without her. We didn't have anything. Died in the warehouse. Caught by the corpos. Mm. 
certainly possible. Audrey helps you guys find the address of Tiger's organization, which is called Aracorn. She, however, is arrested by the local police, apparently at the behest of one of the major corporations. The scene cuts to the three of you attempting to break into the police station, once again stymied by doors. Your past selves encounter your frenemies, Virginia, a halfling in a gray suit, and Galzar, a half-orc, who both work for Valdivian, the company trying to hunt down Audrey. Virginia! Hercure shakes his fist. Yeah, just as, the, just as that happens, the scene cuts to her, like, kicking you in the face, like, a couple times. Fast forward this. I don't like this part. So <laughs> <laughs> they have a remote? <laughs> the three of you also meet Gobzu. Oh, good old Gobzu. Who himself is pursued by a goblin gang previously encountered by the party. Audrey eventually directs the three of you to Constance, her sister, who can forge IDs to get everybody into the city. As the three of you somewhat unintentionally break into her apartment, her security paintings attack. In the background, there's the scene where the painting very nearly murders Jack. Those paintings are dangerous. Those paintings are so dangerous. The scene then cuts to a train. Uh-oh. On which the three of you are attempting to steal Magitech from so that Constance can forge the IDs. Uh-oh. Although the goblin contraptions were kind of funny. Yeah, there, there's a shot of the goblin levitating 18-wheeler with catapults to launch goblins. Special Forces Goblins. Oh, yeah. It, it goes through the whole chase scene. The, the police and Virginia raid Constance's apartment. Just as the three of you are about to start your heist, the three of you escape the police, only to encounter the Goblin Gang, who is also pursuing you because of Gobzu. Gobzu. There's a confrontation on the train between you and the Goblins. That is interrupted by Virginia. The three of you then fight a metal security snake, and in the process of doing so, flipping a switch that controls something in the next car. We see Jack, Niklaus, and Hukur enter the next train car, and they encounter a bloodbath. You see a beautiful white-haired half-elf woman in prison clothes who has murdered an entire squad of corporate security. As you see this woman, you realize that this is the woman who was in the fourth tube. She summons a demon. No big deal. Casually. (laughs) Pieces right out. As you do. (laughs) And teleports away. The two of you know what's coming. Oh. Should never hit that button on that containment field. You didn't know. I mean, how could you? How could we have known? We certainly wouldn't have expected anyone to summon a demon. I don't think we even knew that was a possibility in this modern age. Also, how come she got to be way more powerful than us? Yeah, I was going to say, like, she came out, like, so much more powerful. Were we in the tubes for too long? Not in the tubes for long enough. Maybe. I mean, we were, we were extricated and, like, hers looked like it was blown up or something. She got herself out, maybe. Yeah. Why was she different? The fight continues in the background. As the demon grabs Jack, you see that he has managed to gain hold of 
a magical bazooka left behind by the corporate security squad. There's an explosion, and the train derails. From the two of y'all's point of view, the scene skips forward as your past selves extricate themselves from the rubble. As the two of you make your escape, you encounter a wounded Virginia. Ugh. Audrey and Niklaus, the two of you help save her. And the party makes their escape. Eventually you guys meet up with Constance, who escaped earlier, and using the magitech that you stole from the train, makes new IDs for y'all. Hooray! She decides to join you guys and Audrey and Gobzu, and the three of you head into Falcon's Reach proper. And as you do, you see that a news report suggests that Virginia reported you guys and Audrey as dead. You know, I always admired Jack's uh, strong will through such adversity. Strong arms, too. Small face, though. <laughs> like so small. <laughs> but why? Pecur- peculiarly. <laughs> Couldn't Willie have just said that he has a small head? <laughs> <laughs> that small mouth and those small eyes <laughs> attached to a muscular body. Like a mismatched action figure. It's like he activated tiny head mode in like the video game he was playing. <laughs> Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to our recap for seasons one and two. My name is Roy, I play Nicklaus on the pod. I want to take a moment to thank all of our Patreons for their continued support, and if you're interested in some of our extra content, you can find it at www.patreon.com slash adequatelyadvancedmagic. And for all of our latest updates and episode releases, check out our Twitter at twitter.com slash aamagicpod. Now let's get back to the rest of the episode. As the scene shifts, Niklaus, the, the voices in your head grow louder and a little bit more distinct. And once again, it sounds like a bunch of voices chatting amongst themselves and also just gawking at the things that you're looking at. So I get the sense that they're watching what I'm seeing? Yeah. There's at least one voice that is loudly chewing popcorn. <laughs> that one's just always there. It's not the chewing that annoys me. It's the digging their hand through the bucket, rattling around with popcorn kernels. <laughs> Just grab a handful, put it in your mouth. Why do you keep... Hukir, <laughs> Niklaus, and Audrey and Gobzu, the entire group gets lost as they attempt to find Ericor from the tiny sheet of paper that Tiger gave them. Oh, boy. And then we see Hukir, Niklaus, meet Cirrus. What do you look like, Cirrus? Uh, what does the past version of Sirius look like? Yep. All right. So Sirius is a very tall half-elf uh, female. She is, she's got silver blonde hair that's tied in a long ponytail. And she has a very kind face with, uh, with green eyes. Uh, she also has a very muscular build. 
And when Hirkir, Nicholas, and Sirius meet, at that time Sirius is wearing her police uniform, which is a, which is just like the dark blue police yep, shirt and dark pants and then the armored vest that says uh, Falcon's Reach Police Department on it. And I think at the time they were stopping a robbery together. And so Sirius had her police baton out and was going to town on some on some robbers. What about the silver earrings? She has silver earrings and green eyes. I wrote that in my character description and have not mentioned it since, but it's all true. Oh, she's also very young. Sorry, she's like uh, in her early to mid thirties. <laughs> is that the definition of very young now? For for, for half elves. For, for half. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. No. Uh, no, I get it, Joey. Uh, <laughs> if it was a human, that would be like t- early twenties. You. You. I. I am not. I do not consider myself very young anymore. <laughs> the scene playing out in the background is the fight in the convenience store against several gnolls. Oh, yes. Friggin' gnolls. For ghostly Nicklaus and Hugh here, a ghostly Sirius appears next to you. Bah! <laughs> and, and once again, this Sirius is a figment of Nicklaus's mind, so is there any difference from real Sirius? She doesn't have earrings because Nicholas never noticed. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only she, difference. She never mentioned them, never brought attention to them, so he he doesn't he doesn't know they're there. So that's one thing. So there's one physical thing, mm-hmm. and then let's see what's the emotional difference. The Sirius is even more like self-conscious and like timid. I don't know. All right, I I can work with that. Uh, if I if I may. Um, I really don't think that color worked on me. Don't don't be so hard on yourself. Oh, th- thanks so much, Nicholas. You're you're always so smart. That <laughs> 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 uh, I have a lot of things to say, but we'll, we'll move on. Wow, I'm really I'm really messing those up those guys up, aren't I? Was she? Actually, no. I think I. As, 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 as we turn to look at the battle, like <laughs> <laughs> you turn back and it, she is not messing them up. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I am doing things very by the book in this in this fight. Um, you know, I'm waiting for their turn to attack me, and then I'm attacking them when it's my turn. <laughs> that is by the handbook. Yeah. Sirius, Nicklaus, and Hugh here, the three of you bake a cake. <laughs> I forgot about that. I thought we just got oh cake-making ingredients. Oh, right. No, she had to bake the cake. Uh, yeah, she, the, she had the to cake, bake the cake. I don't remember what her name was. baked in the stomach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and somehow, this makes you unbossed. <laughs> it all makes perfect sense. <laughs> it makes more sense if you listen to the episode, which I highly recommend that you do. It was a weird time. Hikir and Nicklaus, as the two of you talk with Sirius, you discover that the three of you are heading in the same direction. Sirius is searching for her missing father, and believes that Erechor might know something about it. I do, I do remember the two of you were kind of uh, a little bit suspicious of me at first, and so, so much so that you gave me fake names. I mean, to be fair... You're a cop. Yeah. yeah well, I mean... I don't, I don't see what protecting and serving our city has to has to do with any of that, but 
you know, I know, I know you, the two of you have been through a lot. Uh, you can literally hear Hercules' spirit's eyes roll into the back of his head. <laughs> 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 but we're all we're all good friends now, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. We see past Sirius, Niklaus, and Hercules meet Aricor, which is headed by Alistair, a somewhat elderly elf with gray hair. It turns out Aricor is a law practice, which helps the downtrodden citizens wherever they can. Alistair and Tiger agree to help Hercule and Niklaus find out what happened to them, and to help Sirius find her father. In the meantime, they are asked to protect the plaza in which they are temporarily residing. In the background, we see Rourke and his Null gang threaten the denizens of the plaza in an attempt to get its owner to sell for unknown reasons. Stupid Nulls. That was awfully nice of Aircore to let us stay at this plaza. After several confrontations, party tracks Rourke to his base. A night slash day club. <laughs> Is that just called a club? <laughs> a club. And we see the three of you guys looking on as DJ Hammerroar blasts people with his magical sunglasses. Oh my gosh. DJ Hammerroar. Wow, what a what a party this was, eh fellas? It was that. Yeah, I uh yeah, I think I think uh I remember I get, I got hit pretty hard and Oh gosh, I'm just so embarrassing. I'm so self-conscious right now. Yeah, Hammer War is actually pretty banging. The scene shifts forward a little bit, and we see that Rourke is working at the behest of Valerie, a detective and friend of Sirius. A fight breaks out in the club. The party chases down Rourke and interrogates him, and he tells the party that Valerie herself is taking orders from someone named Lillian who, as it turns out, is the former boss of Niklaus at one of the corporations. I might have been a bit in denial about Valerie here, and I apologize for any sort of drama that caused during that fight. There was a lot going on. Sure. Yes. I literally forgot about it until I just saw it now. Well, that's concerning, but that's okay. Right, so your boss, Lillian, that was... Wow, what a what a piece of work. Yeah, working for him was what's the word? Grueling. Did he at least give regular bonuses or a generous PTO or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, Lillian's a piece of work. The scene shifts forward again. We see Hercule Niklaus and Sirius attempt to find Valerie at her address which they obtained from her police precinct. Perfectly legally. Can we can we skip this part? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, I just, I remember very, I remember very much not liking this next part. We see a scene play out in which the three of you discover that Virginia and Galzar are also investigating Valerie because of her connection to Lillian, who is suspected of doing extracurricular work outside of the company that all three of them work for. The two sides encounter each other at Valerie's place, which is booby trap, and, I don't know, shenanigans ensue. So many shenanigans. So many shenanigans. So much, what was it, cake? Cheesecake supplies? Cheesecake. 
The entire group eventually escapes Valerie's trap, and Galzar tells the group that Lillian is hosting a party in a couple of days, and he asks the group to infiltrate it. In the meantime, Valerie arranges to meet Cirrus in an attempt to convince her to abandon the plaza. She warns that she works at the behest of Lillian to prevent violence, but also earn money. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Totally above board. And in the background, we see Niklaus and Hirker secretly try to follow Sirius. I might have jumped out a window. I don't remember. You're pretty (laughs) successful secretly following. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) An invisible assassin kills Valerie for her apparent failure to purchase the plaza. Every night in my dreams, I try to think of a way, if there was anything I could have done to save her. Why didn't I react faster? Why didn't I do anything? Sorry. Mm. Well, it was invisible and hard to hit. This just this still hurts to watch and think about. <laughs> Joey's like slowing it down as Valerie's body slowly falls <laughs> off. The- <laughs> uh, can we make this thing go faster? I can't believe the two of you were there, too. Yeah, why- why'd you go alone? She said she wanted to meet alone, and it's kind of a personal... She- she's my friend, and it's sort of a personal matter i thought i could convince her to join us to that she was wrong that to give us information she and i are very close we worked together for several years listen the two of you are good friends of mine but i just didn't see it as any of your business at the time i'll remember this (laughs) well that's cool i'm a figment of your imagination anyway so like what what do about that (laughs) so cal just hold it against the real you that's a very healthy way to look at it, I think. Are you seeing anybody, Niklaus? Have you have you thought about getting professional help? Uh, I have long talks with lots of people in my head. Oh, that makes sense. Are we are we two of them? Niklaus just kind of like tilts his head forward and like opens his eyes a little bit. Like, does he have to say it out loud? <laughs> what is my existence? All right, we might need to wipe the cirrus and get a new one in. <laughs> <laughs> Refresh. <laughs> As you guys have this discussion, in the back we see that Hirkir and Sirius are arrested by the police. <sighs> Whoopsie. But are bailed out by Virginia. Corporate BS. Niklaus ain't ever going back. <laughs> <laughs> got put in a tube last time, he ain't going back in there again. He's gonna die. Niklaus worked back. real hard not to get arrested. Real hard. I'm not going back in the tube. <laughs> yeah, that was an odd experience. I remember they kept trying to... You zone of truth on me. Did the same happen to you here, Cure? Yes. That makes sense. That is that is protocol, but it's it's weird what's happening to you, right? I mean, I haven't administered it to anyone, so it was just all around weird. When you're interrogating people, Cirrus, as a police officer in your duties, and you cast a zone of truth on the area, are you not also in the zone of truth? Well, so... I'll admit something. Uh, I was never very good at this part of the job. I always wanted to try to persuade people to tell me the truth, and that had mixed success. And so they just assigned me to to beat work for a while. So Uh, you had ethics. uh, I mean, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses, you know. Yeah, I'm like really good at hitting. (laughs) (laughs) The scene moves forward. The three of you prepare to infiltrate Lillian's party. And you do so after 
carrying out a series of tasks. <laughs> Do, does the scene linger on the game of tanks and airplanes? Yeah. Battle buddies. <laughs> <laughs> the three of you eventually gain access to the back of Lillian's apartment, and you find a secret teleporter leading to an office of a company called Arcane. You find it partially destroyed and evacuated, and you learn lots of things, including information about the experiments conducted on Hercule Niklaus, the presence of two other offices and one main office. That's right. Evidence suggesting that Arcane is looking for something hidden underneath the plaza, and the name of the woman in the fourth tube, which is Rania. Most importantly, you discover that Lillian is planning on using a Valdivian elemental weapons program that he works on during his day job to murder everyone at the plaza. It's totally a Lillian thing to do. Just like very rude of him. Very rude. Yeah. The scene cuts to the three of you rushing back to the plaza alongside Virginia and Galzar where you quickly realize that Lillian has already deployed the elemental weapons. Virginia and Galzard join you in the fight against the weapons, along with some of the denizens of the plaza and some sympathetic police officers. The three of you take down an earth elemental, the three of you take down an earth elemental, but are then confronted by Lillian, who activates a sort of air elemental Iron Man suit and engages the party. Hmm. Right, this was quite a difficult battle, if I remember correctly. The three of you are beat pretty bad in the somewhat long, drawn-out fight, but summon the strength to stand up again with the help of a mysterious benefactor. How mysterious? Super mysterious. Ooh. 10 out of 10 mysterious. <laughs> would, mis would mystery again. <laughs> The three of you conveniently level up, and you eventually defeat Lillian. And the damage from the battle reveals that there is something underneath the plaza. The three of you head underground, briefly, and you discover that there's a very extensive dungeon that lies underneath the city. This part of the dungeon has collapsed, and eventually the three of you decide to head next to Elyon, where y'all believe another arcane office is located. Right. Yeah, I remember we saw that there were a couple of branch offices in addition to the one that we were in across the city that might hold more information that we need to to maybe stop things like this from happening again. Right. Isn't that where your dad was born? Or no? That was where Renea was born. Renea. Right. Now, my father's name came up in... One of their files, uh, as in Rania's name. I need to find my father and bring these people to justice. All throughout this blast to the past, <laughs> Niklaus, the voices in your head have grown louder and more distinct. And as ghostly Hurker Sirius and you, Niklaus, look on, you can start to make out some of their conversations. One of them is like, Oh, he's totally losing it now. It's not it's not gonna be long. Another voice goes, Oh yeah, he's he's totally gonna bite it. Wow. The Nicholas, the voices in your head are kind of mean. 
Another one is like, hey, shut up. You're just the figment of his imagination. Ooh, I like this one. You're actually one of the voices, too. Wait. No, I think I think I would. I'm serious. I have a whole life. Uh, exp- I have a whole life history and so much that I've done. I'm my own person. The class does not make eye contact with Sirius. <laughs> <laughs> Am I just a figment of someone's imagination? Oh, God. Another voice goes, he's going to have to fix this. Another voice suddenly appears in your head, and it goes, Hey, Niklaus, wake up. Uh-oh. Hang on, Niklaus. Whoa. Niklaus tries to open his eyes. No! <laughs> I'm being erased from existence. No! Niklaus, you feel like you're falling And as you open your eyes In real life You realize you are Uh oh You take a look around as you fall in slow motion And you realize that you're On the edge of a subway platform Falling towards the tracks A short distance away A levitating Subway train Is headed your way me again, your somewhat adequate dungeon master, Joey. We'll be continuing with the main campaign again in the next episode. Just a friendly reminder that we recently launched a Ko-fi, if you'd like to support us. That's ko-fi.com slash aamagicpot if you want to check that out. Join us next time as Hicker, Nick Klaus, and Cirrus head to a new part of Falcon's Reach. <laughs>